Hi guys, Pet and Andy here, welcome to the show. On this episode, we're really excited to speak to Hayden Hallwood about his incredible journey. Hayden, or better known as H, to the closest to him, is a professional tattoo artist and a UFC fight coordinator. He also practices mixed martial arts himself. Hayden has travelled uh, and experienced so many more things which we can't wait to sit down and speak with him about. Hayden, welcome to the show, great to have you on. Thank you. Um, so we, 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 what we're going to do is we want to start right at the beginning, so um, where you grew up, so we, you were born in Watford. Yeah, um, just outside Watford. Just outside of Watford. Small housing estate called South Oxy. Yeah, so what was it like growing up there then? Rough. Yeah. Rough. Yeah, a lot of rough. Oh, most of my friends are or were criminals and like unsavoury characters. Now I look back and see them as that, but at the time I looked up to them as though they were some special guys really? and wanted to be like them were they, were they older than you then or mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah I was st- about, about 10 years older than me most oh, wow. of my friends you're still friends with them now or? no I haven't no. spoken to them in uh, a long long time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so what was um, so what we say like unsavory characters but did they kind of influence you at any point or did you kind of try and stay separate from it or did you get involved and think to yourself yeah well I, I, want to be I doing? watched them get up to and do many things and was part of some of those things nothing major i didn't commit any bad bad crimes yeah. but i witnessed and saw things and heard yeah. things that yeah were pretty bad when i look back at it now yeah they were pretty bad but at that time as i say you we that was our my life and these people i looked up to because they were the the characters the big guys though you know it's like you um they they were our idols at the time. We looked yeah. up at them as yeah. being our role models. Yeah, yeah. They were com- now I look back at it and they were completely the opposite. Yeah, because you wouldn't know you wouldn't know any better, would you? At that at like yeah. a young age. No, you, you're looking up. You you hear people doing, and they always had money. Yeah, they were exactly, driving yeah. nice cars. I mean, they were selling drugs and yeah, robbing people and doing all kinds of yeah. stuff. But they looked like the sort of people that. I, that's the money I want. Yeah, that's yeah. the lifestyle. Fast I want. money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, then you grow up and realise that. There's a, a short lifespan in yeah, that yeah. sort of lifestyle. Yeah, it's dangerous. Mm. So is that what? Because I, I I saw on your page that you uh, you moved to the Caribbean. Is that what made you try well, to step away from it? Or it, it, that helped massively. When I was living there, I was um, I, I'm sure if I hadn't moved to the Caribbean, I would have ended up in jail or mixed up in the wrong kind of business. Yeah. and all of that sort of you, stuff you were still pretty young when you moved. you were 17 yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah really young yeah, to yeah. make that big move yeah well 17 I moved out there and so was you still friends with them at, at that point well, one or two of them my close friends that were more my age the older ones I stayed in touch with none of them and right. you know and didn't intend to I was kind of glad to be away from it because mm. as I got towards that age I think I was starting to realise that you know <laughs> this, these guys yeah. are in and out of prison all the time my brother went to prison wow. um, yeah. but I, my both my parents went to prison so you know it was an it was an area i'm from yeah. a, an yeah, area yeah. that's um yeah yeah not the best sort of yeah, area yeah. yeah but then you kind of when you get to that age you open your eyes a little bit and you yeah feel, absolutely, you make absolutely. That move. so what yeah. was it that what drove you to the caribbean why the caribbean well my parents sold their house and moved over to st lucia in 92 i went to visit them for christmas oh, right. in 92 and never came back. That was it. I came wow. back in eleven years that I lived there. I came back to England once for three weeks. So yeah, I pretty much absorbed myself in. And the, the the weird thing was, because I came from a small housing estate and moved to a small Caribbean island, the similarities are 
very remarkable because you've got it's like a small village mentality. Like everyone knows each other. Everybody yeah. knows oh, right. each other. Yeah, but it, it, it the um, the scale of this is on the housing estate. Everybody's of the same income bracket, same class. Yeah. Right. But in St Lucia, you've got all of the income brackets and all of the classes grouped together in a very small place. So you're mixing and just purely because of the colour of my skin being a white person going over there yeah. I'm elevated to upper class straight away just because I'm Blimey. white so therefore because of that I ended up mixing with um, like when I first got there I'd spend hours playing football on the beach with rasters yeah. when the sun got too hot we'd go into the bushes and smoke weed yeah. and when it, the sun went down a bit we'd come back out and play more football and that was my life when I first got there but then with the business ventures and stuff that I did. Sorry, mate, what do you reckon? Yeah, so um, when the sun got too hot, we'd uh, move into the shade and smoke weed, and then when the sun went down a bit, we'd go back out and play more football. So that was like, your, that was like the start of the first That was the daily life, yeah, I'd take my dog down the beach, I was known as a white boy with a big dog, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'd play football did they, down they, Did they embrace you straight away when you, when you went there? Yeah, yeah, because, of me coming from that sort of background, most of the white people that live or are indigenous to the island, they're from money. Yeah, of course. So if yeah. you've moved over there to live, most times you've got a lot of money. If you were born there, you're from the upper class families there and you've got money. So when they see a white boy that came over there and wants to play football with them and smoke weed with them and hang out with them in the evenings and stuff, it's so totally kind of like unheard of of a white person. Yeah, to yeah. So, yeah. They used to say to me, I, I think I'm black. But I didn't. I yeah. just, that's how I was. Yeah. But they said, I, they think I, I think I'm black because I behaved and acted like them. And, mm. But then I, I could also flip and go to a party where the Prime Minister was or something. Yeah, and right. it, yeah, just so I could flip flop between any of the, the classes. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. definitely broadened my horizons and made me who I am today. Yeah, because it must be a obviously a big culture shock for, for any, anyone who's probably from London going over there and living there it's it going to be really a culture shock anyway like it. did it not at all not no, at all, no. Wow. I kind of slotted straight in oh, and got, got on with everybody straight away yeah it didn't feel like but was that because you was kind of like the upbringing that you had kind of prepared you for that uh, like I guess in a way without thinking about that, that that's what was happening I've, I'm mixing with all different levels of people over there but back in South Oxy, I was mixing with one type of one group yeah, of people, and without wanting to sound bad, this group of people are closer in income and education and everything to the people that I was living with. Mm. So, the locals, the black locals in St Lucia, were closer to the my friends. Yeah. So I was, I got on very well with them straight away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what did you do for work over there? Um, the very first job I got was working for a company called Captain Mike Sport Fishing and Pleasure Cruises where we would take tourists out fishing or round the island tours on a boat and the fishing that I would, you'd, it's a sport fishing boat so you've got holes for five rods at the back, the back three go straight, the lines go straight off so I'd rig the baits, throw them off, then put the um, outrigging down and then feed the lines out so you've got five lines being trawled behind the back of a boat and they're big baits because you're fishing for marlin and um, uh, sailfish, like really big game yeah. fish. And yeah, I'd do that, open beers for tourists. We'd drive around for about between six to eight hours in the hot sun, not catch any fish 90% of the time. Really, yeah. Yeah, and then I'd be explaining to them when we got back to the, 
Well, that's never happened. Before. <laughs> <laughs> it happened the day before. And they're they fortune. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. pay like eight hundred US dollars for a day out on a boat, and we know they're not going to catch any fish. So it always <laughs> kind of felt like you're ripping someone off. And if you did ever catch a fish, to try not to act like it's the first yeah, time. Yeah, try not. Like try not. Like it's happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get into that then? Was it just kind of looking around for work and then because kind of up? I'm white, believe it or Again, not. I was yeah. in a pub. Um, the Irish pub, no, it was, it was called the A pub back then, and um, they found out I was working there. And some guy said, "Do you want to come and work for me down there?" Because I'm white, it's it's a sad mentality, it but it is what it is, and that's how I got that job out there. Yeah, and yeah. I, I lasted there for just over a year. And friends of theirs, Michael Shaston, his name was, he owns. The, um, the biggest shopping malls on the island and right. his son is now Prime Minister of St Lucia no way so yeah I went um, he said to me at one of his shopping malls he had this craft shop which um, wasn't working out too well he saw I painted a sign for the the hatchels of people I was working with that was so I was always artistic I painted yeah. a sign for them and because I painted a sign I don't know where he got his logic from he thought I could run a craft shop <laughs> but I could I didn't even know I could I um, called it Made in St Lucia so we only sold um, gifts and souvenirs made on the island I'd actually physically go out find craftspeople buy their stuff off of them then stock the shop with it and sell it to tourists and we were unique at the time so taxi drivers used to bring people to us all over the island from all the hotels oh, wow. they knew that we sold local stuff and they got behind that and they um, even though I'm an Englishman I'm still promoting and pushing and I'd constantly be giving advice to local craftspeople how to improve their products yeah. make it more marketable appeal to a wider audience but with St Lucians being laid back Caribbean yeah, island yeah. they only made stuff when they're hungry so I was constantly frustrated <laughs> I've just sold all this stuff for you here's all the money and then I thought, oh, I don't need to do anything oh, for a while yeah. now because I've got some money. So yeah, it was a right. it was it was a learning experience, and it was yeah, really good. I yeah. enjoyed um, had that for four years. Really? Yeah, yeah. And you're, you say you're on the island for was it eleven years? Eleven years. Yeah. 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 So in that in that period, was it? Did you ever think to yourself, I'm going to go back? I'm going to go back? Or was it kind of just like an open ended um, trip? Yeah, I always thought I wouldn't be there that long. I thought I'd be gone a long time before that and there was a time when um we did actually overstay on our passports and somebody reported us and the police came really? to our house and picked <laughs> us up and i panicked and threw some weed out the window and <laughs> the police saw that arrested all three of us took took us to a police station and then they came to my room because i threw it out the window and the I do. I totally forgot the house is on stilts, so you can see straight underneath the house. So they literally walked up the driveway and seen the mosquito screen fall off the window with two bags of weed. So they've gone and picked up and said, "Is this yours?" I've said, "Yeah." Then they've gone through my room, found a pipe and like a weed pipe, as saying, "I smoke crack." And I'm like, "No, no, no!" no. It's weed. It's weed. Panic. Yeah, we yeah. we were absolutely shitting ourselves. They took us to a police station, held us there, me, my mum, and my dad. Then took us to another police station in Castries held us there for about four or five hours, then we went to see the chief immigration officer. I've never heard anything about the weed after that at all. So probably kept it. I guess yeah, the police yeah, picked yeah. it up sure and did, yeah. we're going to burn a zoo <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, then we went to see the chief immigration officer. She told us we had to leave the island, come back, like fly off the island and come back, oh, come and back. get our pre- passport stamped 
once they're stamped then we have to keep our stay up to date right i did that for about five or six months and stopped and nobody ever said anything yeah. after that so but then because of that anytime i saw someone in uniform used to ship yourself again so i'm yeah. like oh my god yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like living on the edge a little bit with your <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know I mean? yeah constantly see someone in uniform and they always used to wear like khaki like the caramel kind of brown uniforms so anytime i saw someone like that i'm like oh my god. <laughs> Catch me. Yeah, I'm gone, I'm gone. So what brought you back to, to England then after 11 years? Um, well, I went from um, the craft shop, I went, uh, we opened a, that into two outlets, that was very successful for four years, then I sold that to somebody and went into business with Michael Chassonet who first set me up with that, right. but this time we opened up the only cinema on the island, and that was a 200 seat cinema, eight um, American pool tables, and um, about 13 video arcade games, and it's the only place like the that only on the cinema. Island. Yeah, yeah, the only Nine. cinema. Yeah, again, known as a white boy that run the cinema at that yeah. point. And I'd have people stop me in the street and say, hey, white boy, what nice playing at the movies? And then I'd have to go through all the movies, five more steps down the road, what nice playing at the movies? And then I'd have to, yeah. so people did not want to come into town with me because I get stopped every five steps. What's playing at <laughs> the movies? Playing yeah. The movie. um, yeah, run that for about four years again then um, me and him fell out um, and parted ways and then I opened up a company called Automobile Valet Services where we cleaned cars and we had customers ranging from the Prime Minister to cab drivers and um, that did very well that was about two years I did that for and then the guy um, he ran the BMW dealership and one of my guys that went to pick up a vehicle, bring it back to clean. He drove it all the way for about an hour in four-wheel drive and basically wrecked the car. And then, he, it's a long story, but he pulled his insurance out of it and I decided, you know what, I've had enough. I, wanna, I was married to a St. Lucian at the time. Right. And then we both decided, let's go back to England and give this a go. But we ended up going back to Northern Ireland for six months and I worked in a call centre. Uh, Jack of all trades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we came here and my first job was at Walthamstow Market selling fruit. Wow. And I was there, pound a bowl, pound a bowl, <laughs> lovely bit of fruit there for a pound, fruit for a pound of strawberries. <laughs> yeah, and I'd shout that every day on the Saturday. That was interesting. In the middle of the winter, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, that was tough. Do you, I bet you missed the, uh, the sun when you came back. Not, not really. The not, sun is it too much. very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, especially people. Feel, if you're there on a holiday, yeah, you yeah, can relax, so, hide in the yeah, shade. Yeah, living and working in it, those different. Yeah, if you're yeah. like grafting in it as yeah. well, and I mean, yeah. like proper grafting. Yeah, the sun can give you all kinds of heat rashes and yeah. just sweating all the time. Yeah. And get in the shower, have a shower, get out, you're sweating straight away because yeah. of the humidity. So yeah, the heat. On holidays, fantastic. When you're living in it, can be a bit of a nightmare. So yeah. I didn't really miss it too much, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I used to wish for a frosty morning when I was living <laughs> over there. Yeah. So, so when you come back over here, like, how did you discover like the UFC? How did you get into the UFC then? Um, well, I was my job after the fruit store was uh, as an estate agent. I did that for a while, and I met a guy um, who ran a, a martial arts class down. Um, Woodford Bridge. Yeah. So was you was you like kind of practicing martial arts in your spare Not time? Not at the time. No, I, I saw it and I'd heard about Krav Maga. Yeah. 
And I thought I'd always want to That's the Israeli. Yeah, yeah. Is that an Israeli? Yeah, yeah. It's um, the special forces use it. Oh, right. It's not a sport. A lot of martial arts are a sport. This is not a sport. This is proper self-defense. This is like really hurting somebody. Isn't it like disarming someone if he comes with you at a knife? Yeah, a knife defense, gun defense, uh, bottle defense, baseball bat defense. More real life kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, people grab you in certain ways or, you know, try to grab you from behind. All kinds of things. You're learning the best ways to get out of it inflict as much damage on the person that's trying to do that to you and get away right yeah but it, it taught me a lot of confidence i mean before when you go out if you see a little something kicking off you'd be like yeah, yeah. yeah or if you get in a confrontation with somebody it's who can shout the loudest yeah. and yeah. you know and who can puff their chest up the biggest it, this teaches you that that's not the way to do it at all you know the, the person who's backing off and saying i don't want no trouble is the one you really got to be careful of not mm. the one that's making all the noise so you, th- you thought to yourself i'll go down and give give it a go yeah kind of from i called the guy up um he seemed very accommodating went down there did that for about seven years i haven't done it for a while mm. but yeah did that for about seven years and um one day you just called me up and said do you fancy going to japan with the ufc i'm like no that's, way that's not a question <laughs> that's not a question Obviously. tell me when i'm going that's yeah. it you know and that was the beginning of 2012. That was my first show. And that was 10 days in the Tokyo Hilton, working with all top UFC for There was a world championship fight that night. Um, Frankie Edgar versus Benson Henderson. Right. And yeah, that was the start of it. And I've done um, Australia a couple of times, Brazil about five times, wow. China um, twice, Japan three times. Uh, Abu Dhabi, you, so many different countries in Europe. Uh, so what is it you do for the UFC? You're a fight co- coordinator. Yeah, what does that mean? They call it athlete relations, and also we've ju- I've just started with another organisation called Fight Nights Global that are based in Russia. Oh, okay. So I've done in in the last eight weeks, we've done two shows in Moscow, one show in Bratislava, and another show in Kazakhstan, yeah. which was a bit interesting. Yeah, so. yeah I can imagine. But the, yeah, UFC, we. Um, so the fighters will arrive, an event takes a, w- a week, so it's from the Monday, fight night Saturday, everybody goes home Sunday, so we will be there to meet the fighters as they get off the airplane, um, we used to drive them, actually drive everybody from the ho- airport to the hotel, get them checked in, get them to do their paperwork, sign posters, uh, give them their per diem money, all sorts of things to make sure that they're set. Right. And then through the weird setup of two workout rooms, because we take over a hotel, it costs about $4 million to put on a UFC show. What, for, one, for, for, for one night? Show, yeah. For one show, so every athlete stays in the same... Yeah, because you're, you're taking a hotel for a week, yeah. and you're taking half of the hotel, and these are always five-star yeah. hotels. And we take two big ballrooms, we take a room for the office, we take a room for press, a room for media, a room for social media, um, a room for the equipment guys that they can kit out yeah. the, the athletes with their stuff. So we take over a large portion of a hotel um, and that's for the whole week. So yeah, there's a big part of the cost there. Then they've got to pay for the stadium or the arena. Yeah. yeah so th- there's a lot of cost transportation, flights, yeah. everybody gets flown to them from wherever they are in the world. Um, and you've got people coming from all over the world. So if you do a yeah. show in Japan, you'll have American fighters come there, Chinese fighters yeah. come there, Korean fighters, people from English fighters, Polish fighters, people from absolutely everywhere in the world. Brazilians, a yeah. lot of Brazilians involved yeah. in it. So have, you, have you built some like relationships with these fighters? Because obviously you're yeah. seeing them frequently. a lot, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've tattooed two main... Um, Jimmy Manoa, who was ranked fourth 
a light heavyweight in yeah, the world. We saw, yeah, that's yeah, the one we on your page. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Six, and um, recently, um, Uriah Hall, who is yeah. uh, famous for doing a spinning back kick and knocking someone out cold, that you always see that played again and again on yeah. TV. And he's an interesting story because we did a show in Belfast, right. and I went to pick him up from the airport. Um, spoke to him and his coach all the way back. Had a good laugh with them. Then saw them the next day. Had another good laugh with them. And then um, one of the guys that does all the organisation stuff says. Um, he came up to me and said, what have you done with your eye? I'm like, what do you mean? He says, the man loves you. He says, he's really difficult to work with. Anything we do with him from now on, we would oh, do. amazing. Yeah, so yeah, I got really well with him. And yeah, we formed a proper relationship because when he came here to see a friend of his, he made sure he came to the studio and I've done his first tattoo in here as well. So, wow, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And we sat here and watched, um, was in a Dave Chappelle show for this. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, have you have you got a chance to meet Conor McGregor? Or? I picked Conor up for his first fight. All oh, right, yeah, well, he, he just starting off. He, his first UFC fight, um, he fought in Sweden against a guy called Marcus Brimage, and I picked him and his coach John Cavanaugh up from the airport in um, Arlanda Airport in Stockholm and right. drove them all the way into which is about an hour and a bit drive yeah. so I got chatting to them both Connor had a toothache so he didn't say too much at the time but I spoke a lot with his coach and I get on really well with his coach now oh, nice. and um, yeah uh, took Connor through and I've yeah met Connor a few so times what, I know you say he didn't speak much what, what was he like at the time though was he because obviously now you see he wasn't him. what he is yeah, there exactly, he yeah. was a lot quiet he turned he had um, a vest pair of tracksuit bottoms on old pair of trainers a baseball cap on backwards and a, and a backpack yeah he wouldn't be seen dead in those clothes yeah. oh, of course not yeah, no, the clothes no. that I met him in he would not yeah, yeah, and he was a different character. I mean, he was still very, very confident, yeah. cocky, full of himself, yeah. which he is now. A lot of are, are a lot of the fighters like that. Like they have to be self kind of confident. He, he's taking it to a new level. He's right. definitely. I mean, you get a lot of them. They're trying to copy him now, but, they but just is that because they try and promote the fight and sell well, they've tickets? seen how much money yeah, yeah. he's made. He's how he's done it. Yeah, he's, very, he's, he's, a, he's very clever the way he, he does he's it. A, I don't know how much of it is deliberate, but he's a promoter's yeah, dream yeah. because he yeah. makes people talk about. Look oh. what you know, Khabib. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got. They're trying to organise a fight yeah. for September in Moscow. Yeah. yeah, this is big, big deal, especially for UFC. It's nowhere near as big as the Mayweather. Of course, is it, it going to be the biggest UFC fight in terms of? It could money. well be because McGregor's. Yeah. Got, he's yeah. gone global with this throwing a dolly through the window and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was incredible. That the guy that almost caught the dolly as well, Security Steve is. <laughs> oh, he's been in here. I've tattooed <laughs> him a few times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, Connor's a nice guy, man. He's just. He's earned so much money. He's yeah. surrounded by people that are constantly telling him how amazing yeah. he is. Yeah, and of that, course. That, that's got to go to your head a little bit. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. Yeah. All of a sudden, three years before that, he couldn't afford to pay council tax. Yeah, I saw that on his uh, yeah. one of his YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's gone from that to buying multi-million dollar mansions. Yeah. And, you, know, like, you can only. I think it's just an incredible rise. Like, there's not. Yeah. You can't really knock the guy. I know he's. Some people don't like him, some love him, but you can't yeah, knock him for that climb. You'd love to, climb. because of this, you want to see his fights. Yeah, Whether you want to see him yeah. get knocked out or yeah. you want to see him win. That's what the fight game's all about, isn't it? It's just how, how you promote something before it happens. Promoter's yeah. dream. He might have gone a little bit too far with throwing that dolly through the window. Yeah, maybe a bit. <laughs> but it's brought every... That, that story went global yeah. immediately. I mean, and you're talking everywhere. Because he was throwing it at Khabib, you yeah. know that's gone global all of, not just Russia yeah. all of those former Soviet states like the ones I've been to Kazakhstan 
um, Dagestan, Tajikistan, all of the stands. They must have gone crazy for it. Yeah, they like because yeah. they love Khabib. Yeah, Khabib is their legend. He's undefeated. Yeah, and yeah, these two are talking the right talk again. If you're a promoter, you are going to bed with a bone because yeah. of the way these guys are talking to each other. Yeah, yeah you're making money. So the, the, the fight will go ahead then at some point. There's, there's no sure thing. Mm. There's no sure thing. You've um, Khabib's been lined up for a lot of fights and had to pull out injured. No. He, I was at a fight that he was supposed to um, be taking part in. He, he was really struggling with his weight cut to the degree where he was medically advised not to fight. Really? Yeah, because these guys, they, they, they nobody seems to understand. They, they'll see the fight on fight night, but they don't understand how disciplined, and they think mm. it's such a vulgar brutal sport but these guys are pinnacle top athletes oh, yeah. and very disciplined very you can't get there without the discipline yeah, yeah. diet going to bed right you know yeah. if you if you don't do these things you won't make it to the yeah, top I think the smallest detail can lose your fight easily can't you yeah like I mean, preparation wise yeah if you, if you don't like start the weight cut at the right time yeah. then by the time you're supposed to hit that weight and you're really struggling it might be just two pounds because you're allowed to be one pound over on the yeah, scale yeah so it could be just that last pound and i've seen people shave their hair shave their pubic hair off like mm. not sometimes they take their underpants off to get on the scale just to make it i've seen guys cut the, the their corners have to help them stand up to get onto the scale because they're so dehydrated so skinny yeah, because you were watching a few YouTube yeah, videos yeah. the other day. Just uh, That's when he was fighting at lightweight, though. Yeah, yeah when he was lightweight, but just, just before the weigh-in, just couldn't believe how gaunt he looked. They're yeah. so scared. And then the, they, the next, next day, he's back to And they rehydrate yeah. so quick, but this, how can this be good for the body? Yeah, no. Well, it can't yeah, be. If you, you say you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, he's yeah. dead set against that. So now what we've started doing, and I'm this is one of my jobs, um, is before... So we on the Saturday, we bring all the fighters over to the arena... When they get there, they get settled into their locker rooms and they'll go through the fight card one by one, getting every fighter, bringing them out to the scales and taking their pre-fight fight weight. So oh, we know, right. okay, not only you know what they've weighed in at when they've got on the scales, yeah. but what is their fight weight? And it shows you how much weight they've managed to put back on in 24 right. hours and sometimes it's just ridiculous, like yeah. 15, 20 pounds something. <sighs> okay. yeah. Because all they do is just eat and drink and eat and drink. Yeah. But even then you've got to be careful because... It's 24 hours away. You've got to digest and process yeah. all of that as well. So it's a... But even stepping into the octagon with... Or even in boxing, like stepping into the ring, knowing that someone is there and their sole purpose is to knock your head off, you need to be mentally prepared as well. It's not even it, just physical. It's I've got so much respect for these guys yeah. that will do this. I, I just think it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, you think it's just going in there fighting. It's not. If, no. Especially if you're fighting in your home country or your hometown yeah, yeah. or... Or it's your first fight in front of all these people with TV cameras yeah. and that. and You're putting your body on the line because I'd say 90% of fighters that go into fights are carrying an injury on the way in. Because yeah. of the nature of the yeah, training, right. you're going to have a bit of tweak to thumb, a knee, yeah, yeah. you've like got a bruised rib. Yeah. You, there's all sorts of things you're going in with yeah. and you're not telling anything because you're giving away a weakness yeah, yeah. to your opponent. So they'll, they'll hold those until after the fight and then it sounds like an excuse if they've yeah. lost. Or they're bragging yeah. if they've won, mm. so you know they tend not to mention injuries. So you ringside mo when you're obviously when you travel, you ringside most of the. Um, not with the UFC. Not no, with the UFC. No. We're we're backstage right. all the time. We used to walk the fighters out to the octagon, but they stopped that because I think they saw us all like looking up at the screens and like rubbing your ear. That means you're saying hello to someone, or <laughs> it's just too blatant. Yeah. And then at the last, the main card, 
we would all go out there and we're all standing by the fires and we're not doing anything, we're just getting on camera and I think they pissed them off so yeah, they stopped yeah. us doing it. But with Fight Nights Global, we walk the athletes right out to the octagon and then we sit next to the corners. Um, so we're literally the, the, right on the cage side mm. and then at the end of every round we go into the octagon with the corners. It's not an octagon, it's a ring for FNG. Oh, okay. um, but it's a, it's a round cage rather than oh, an octagon, really? octagonal one. And we'll sit down and we'll just make sure that they're doing exactly as they should do. They're behaving themselves and not breaking any rules. Because sometimes they'll put tiger balm. To, there's all sorts of shit. Oh, there's all little bits going on. So yeah. it's, still, it's still at that point where yeah, it's not yeah. probably regulated yeah, yet and it's stuff. Not, it's yeah. not UFC standards, but yeah. it's it's still getting there. Yeah. Oh, great. So um, we spoke about before with uh, about your tattooing. So you t- tattoo some of the UFC fighters that you, you know. Um, how did you get into that? Did you have like a bit of an, like a, a talent for it, or did you like art when you were I've always younger? Been an art, always been able to paint and draw. Started painting properly in St Lucia. Sold quite a few paintings when I was living there, but never really pushed myself into it that much. And is, it then, just, is it just something that you had naturally? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Never been taught how to do yeah. it. Yeah, never been shown how to do a painting, but just watch somebody painting a picture. I could always draw and always do that sort of stuff. I've always been artistic, yeah. but yeah. I watched someone doing a painting once and said I knew in my head I could do it better than he was doing it. And really? I went and bought myself brushes, paints and a canvas. Then I, I can paint. <laughs> and that was it. And then from then I've just... Um, somebody kept saying, no, you should be a tattoo artist. And it never appealed to me. I was minicab driving. I've done so many. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I was doing martial arts and it, at the Krav Maga class where someone said... Um, these guys do a, work in a tattoo studio. I think they're looking for somebody. I went and had an interview with them, and they said they. I showed them my art on Facebook, and they said, "Oh yeah, definitely come." And, and I, I was just taking appointments, deposits, drawing, and within I'd say about four or five months, I was tattooing people for money. Wow! Mm. It's supposed to be an apprenticeship lasts for three years. In the last year of that, you're tattooing people. But yeah, I skipped ahead because I've got ability, yeah. and it was just learning how to use the machines rather than learning how to draw and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, as it well. always amazed me how like you can, I mean, it's hard enough to draw with a pencil, but like to draw with something that vibrates. I find it easier. Yeah. The skin is more give you can move around. Oh, and it's, right. more, it's more interesting yeah. as well. Drawing on paper, I don't. I've, I haven't drawn on a piece of paper for quite a few years because I've got an iPad tablet oh, yeah. so all my drawing it makes life so much easier to do so, so the, a lot of the tattoos you do the, the clients ask you to kind of come up with something or they have an idea in their heads some or? of them will it varies some of them will come in knowing exactly what they want some of them will come in with a photograph of a tattoo that, and, and it's amazing the amount of times these tattoos I look at them I'm thinking <laughs> terrible that good I mean, <laughs> You don't want to sell can make it look so much better because you say that and they go, Oh, my uncle did this on my own. Like, oh, no. So you've got to be so careful how you criticize other work. So you just yeah. say, Oh, yeah, I can do that for you, no problem. Yeah. And yeah, and other times they'll come in and you want a portrait of something or a symbol, these things you can't yeah. change too much. Other times they'll come in and say, I've got this idea on this and this, and then you have to draw it up or put the ideas mm. together. Um, yeah, they're, they're the good ones today. Yeah. I, I mean, myself, I've, I've got loads of tattoos. Um, but I've had a couple done by you, and I find that your, uh, I mean, your artwork speaks for itself. But I think that your personal service uh, is probably one of the best I've dealt with. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and even my wife, she, uh, I mean, she 
I mean, there's, there's loads of tattooists out there, but um, she says she'll always come back to you because the way that you look after the. That's nice to know. We, that's what I want to do. We want to make it. Because like, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of artists where you go there, and if you kind of got your idea, if it's not really something that they would like, they yeah. just think it's shit. Yeah, and they they're think, intimidating. Oh. They don't want to. Yeah. It takes no time at all for an artist when they start earning money to start thinking they're shit on. There's yeah. something special about them, and they but, don't want to hear criticism yeah. or advice. Because we've been to. We've. I've, I've been to places before where you're taking a it's just a small piece if you want like a little symbol or something like that you want a small piece and then they're literally just like that's right, below they just them. kick you out the door like, that's yeah. below them yeah that's just it's really? such a bad yeah. attitude because the, what they're i bet that's not the business owner that did that either that's an yeah. artist that works in there yeah. so he doesn't care whether the business survives or not they'll move yeah. on they'll do other stuff but yeah. here yeah, it's all about the customer, and I, and the guys I've got working here, they all think the yeah, same way, yeah. or they wouldn't be. We've got I've got Sergio from Spain, and we've just taken on a new apprentice, um, Sarah from uh, the Sudan. Oh, nice. And we had the apprentice before her was from Lithuania. Wow. So yeah, it's a very diet. It's like the a United Colors of <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, because getting a tattoo is a. Bit... got Chrissy. She's the piercer. She's from Bulgaria. Yeah, we've got Chrissy already. Yeah. The piercer. Yeah, Hi, Chrissy. She's, she's awesome. just in the background for any yeah. listeners. <laughs> she teaches people how to do piercings as well. So and yeah, because you guys do obviously do piercings as well. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the studio. Yeah, and um, also we've we've got um, it's called the Body Piercing Academy, which was launched um, about six months ago. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, we've we've got students that um, she teaches how to do piercings as well. So yeah, that's a very good thing mm. for her. Oh great. Yeah. So I was going to say the. Um, Getting a tattoo is such a big deal for a lot of people. Like, I haven't got any tattoos myself, yeah. so I'm pretty much the opposite of Pip. Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to try and convince me, aren't you? Yeah, right? no, <laughs> you need to right convince yourself, bro. It, it's yeah. an actual fact. It's been scientifically proven that you're 60% cooler after getting a tattoo. So. <laughs> really? Is that, 60% that's actual science? Minimum. 60% proved it. I'm not, I mean, I can show you the research, but I don't want to bore you. With it's that. also addictive. Once you get one, you can't just have one. Like, I've never yeah. met anyone that's just got one. Well, we, That's we, true, actually. We, we kind of grind up a little bit of crack cocaine in the evening, so that, that keeps people... Yeah, before you get it done, yeah. it's have a million. Sometimes you go open the door and <laughs> people knocking on the door. Just give me a small tattoo, man. Just a small one. <laughs> have you done any... Because um, obviously tattoos can be really meaningful. Yeah. Um, have you done any... Well, I'm sure you have, but like, has there been any that's kind of stand out where it's been like you thought this is actually a really big yeah, deal for someone? Um, yeah, my one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 he's... And... Um, We've got a customer, she's a regular, regular customer. She comes in, she says, I'm the only person that's allowed to be rude to her because I am. I'm, our banter in here is pretty brutal at times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's had a double mastectomy. Um, she had breast cancer and she had both of her breasts removed but reconstructed. Yeah. And she's got, had a big scar across here. Um, when I first met her, she was very, very conscious of it. If you meet her now, it's a different person. She's so bubbly, bright, and, and, and they would two of the hardest tattoos if you imagine tattooing i did two mandala roses yeah. which is a round symbol but if you put that onto the transfer if you put it on a cone shape it wrap and then the edges get closer together ah, so right. yeah it's very very difficult mm. but it turned out very well she's over the moon she's one of my most regular customers she was booked in today with sergio as well but yeah. she rescheduled that but she just loves coming here it's, yeah. it's almost therapy for her yeah yeah uh. Yeah, it's almost like, because that's pretty much life-changing, isn't it, for someone? They're very much like so life-changing. And you imagine you're sitting down with somebody for a two, three, four-hour session with them. You get talking about this. Before you know it, a rapport is built, a yeah. little bit of trust is built. 
I'm hearing all kinds of stories about yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. lives here, ins and outs, and because you come back on a fairly regular basis, if you're getting a big piece yeah. done, it goes into depth as well. Yeah. You really start, they start to open their soul to you. I've yeah, had yeah. people like really open up and just tell me, and you're, I'm thinking, really? Yeah, <laughs> 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 you can't believe it. Yeah. But if they can trust you to do a tattoo, yeah, and they can, like, they think wow, they can okay. trust you. Yeah, when did that? Okay. <laughs> not sure what one of them is. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, yeah. yeah. Um, so how did you come to open up your own business then? Because you was working for someone else, but because I've got experience in running my own business in the past, it wasn't really something that like threatened me or put me off. If the opportunity arose, I was always going to take it. Um, I was very happy at the studio I was working at. Um, it was run by two brothers, uh, but they. I did very, very well there. I started with them pretty much when they opened up the studio. Um, I was making more money than both of them combined, and I knew this because they told me this. Mm, and they know. used to bring me in on like disciplinary hearings. So I would open up the store every day, close it, reorder all of the stock, um, deal with most of the customers, most of the email, book all of the appointments in, take deposits, do so much for them. I weren't expecting thanks. I just knew that if it was left up to one of the brothers who was the artist, it wouldn't get done. Yeah. We'd be running out of needles, running out of stock. So I just did it because yeah. I knew it needed. And I'd clean up in there. It none of the sweep, mop right away through. And they, rather than them realise what an asset they had in me, yeah. they started to feel threatened by me because people would come in there because I'm there all the time. They thought it was my shop then, uh, and I had to right. actually go out of my way and say, uh, they, they'd come to. I'm like, no, no, no. I just work here. These two here, the brothers, they're the owners, and make sure that they heard me saying yeah, it there. Yeah. Just so that they would Please get off their, their ego egos, kind of thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they they would constantly be threatened by me and the way I deal with people, mm. and it's so annoying because they should have recognised if they had treated me different, I doubt I'd have opened my own business. Really? Yeah, I don't think yeah. it would have come to yeah. this because I was happy there. I had no stress, no pressure of doing these things. Yeah. I mean, this comes with its um, stress. Of course, it does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. You've got now. I've got obligations to meet, and yeah, I've got yeah. people that are relying on this place working, and yeah. that. so you know th those things come with pressures. But there, yeah. I go in, mm. I do my tattooing, and I go. And he actually said that. Oh, you rolling at eleven o'clock? Do your tattoos, and off you go. I okay what else is expecting me to do you know yeah that's it keeps coming we keep saying this but it keeps coming up on some of the other shows we've done yeah just around just having the right if you have the right people in, in a business all about but the right people most of the time it's if your staff are good but with your point if the owners don't appreciate the staff then you're going to lose them yeah. so they're, they're, it works both not, ways isn't it they're, they're not looking for the right people they're yeah. looking for the people that are right for them not for yeah, the business yeah, they're, they're looking selfish. for the people that yeah. I, I wouldn't even say selfish just not not focused on what's right, right what's yeah, going to make yeah, the yeah. business work is is like the girl from Sudan she I think most people may not have taken her on she came in she's very hippie yeah she's very oh, and like you know she's got a quite a strange energy about her but I liked it that she had come in on her, off her own speed yeah I'm not chasing her she's yeah. come in and asked me yeah her artwork was good so I thought I'd give her a go she's amazing yeah. she's with um, with customers that come in she's very good with talking to them she's very well spoken yeah. when she speaks on the phone it's exactly what you want she's very she's just very good with customers yeah. again she's got a really eccentric quirky personality but it kind of fits here. that's good yeah. yeah exactly kind of fits we've got people from all around the world with all different backgrounds and stories but the, the important thing with her 
is her heart's in the right place. Yeah. Mm. You know, she seems like a very caring, nice person, and yeah, she just fitted straight away in a weird kind of way. So what um what would you say would be the the difficulties you the difficulties you faced when opening up the shop then? It was surprisingly easy. I ain't gonna lie. It was a lot easier than I thought it was. This was a tattoo studio before, so all the licenses were in place. Right. Uh, we had to just change over the names and the details. Um, the guy's mother was an interior decorator, so most of the interior decorating is yeah. set up as a studio anyway. Yeah. I came in, made a few changes that made it feel a bit more friendly. Like we put this uh, counter in, we opened up this wall, opened up that wall, repainted, put the art on the walls, the TV on the wall, just made it feel yeah. a bit more customer friendly. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot easier. Pretty than, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah very easy. It's the easiest business I've got involved in to yeah. open up. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, would you say you're quite entrepreneurial then Nathan because obviously you said not by it's nature not, it's not, it's really not, not by nature I think it's more just circumstance that's happened and I've mm. found and I've seen an opportunity and then decided to go for it I haven't pursued it I haven't gone out there and said this is what I'm going to do yeah. it's a, an opportunity's presented itself and I've recognised it for what it is mm. and thought okay and now I'm going to go for yeah. it I've pursued it once I've seen the opportunity I haven't come up with an idea like with the, the craft shop that was presented to me. Yeah. The um, the car cleaning company that came to me. Me and my ex-wife opened up a sandwich bar. That came to us. Yeah. These things came to us. Mm. This um, one of my tattoo customers. I was telling the same story I've told you about the brothers, and he said, "Oh, if anything ever uh, materializes in the way of a business opportunity, talk to me. I'll I'll back you." Um, and then. The guy that owns a barbershop at the end here said the guy that owns this is looking to get out and we then we went and looked at it mm. and it all stacked up so we went for it mm. so you're so you've always kind of like got your head down and worked hard though you've yeah been, i'm a hard worker yeah, I'm, yeah. i've been the, the first proper day off although it didn't feel like a day off was yesterday and that's <laughs> my first proper day off in over a year seven days a week Blimey. yeah i mean there's a couple of three day holidays in there but yeah. that's a holiday you're going yeah. away somewhere i haven't had a day off where I've just gone home, sat down and done nothing mm. in over a year. Is that because you, you love doing the yeah, tattoo? If I weren't here, I'd be doing not a lot productive. Yeah. And I love it here. Yeah. You know, this is my baby now. This yeah. is And it's comfortable here. You've got, I've got everything I need here. I've got a TV, got a kitchen. You know, yeah. it's everything I need here. So, you know, it'd be pointless to go home and do nothing and not be productive when I can be here and do something that's going to yeah. push this business forward. So do you ever look back and think that 15 year old kid in Watford getting up to no good like look where I've come nah, from no way no way I thought I'd be doing some dead end job for the rest yeah. of my life I recognised where I'm from and where I lived in that but I have to thank my mum for she's a she was she passed away just before Christmas and I've got oh, sorry to, to, yeah thanks I've, I've got a lot to thank her for because she was the chaser she was the person that would pursue it she decided to sell the house and move to st louis a massive risk that's, that's that's huge, a yeah. huge risk but she put all of her eggs in one basket moved to the caribbean and it got to a point i think it was about two years into it where they had spent all their money at that point we couldn't afford to buy a ticket back to england mm. and then all of a sudden a, an investor came out of the woodwork completely out of the blue invested in them they opened up their first english pub 
then they they moved location three times but she was the one always pushed mm. and dragged and dragged my dad along with him with her yeah to and always made it work and she was the one that was making all the food for it and work she worked seven days yeah. a week as well most of the so time that's almost rubbed off when you a little yeah, bit yeah, kind of seen, seen growing up yeah. seeing that yeah, yeah i think that's a genetic thing i've got that from her thanks to her. Yeah. yeah you can definitely tell just just by speaking to just like the because you ain't gonna get any of that working hard. Yeah, yeah, we've, sat, we've had that with other guests, and like well, you that, can, that, if you look at some of these wags and you know, yeah, all right, all right. Well, unless you, unless you marry a rich footballer, yeah, then. <laughs> marry, you know, yeah, yeah. But you know, but you know what I mean. Like, to yeah. make it yourself, you know, it's, it's not easy. Pride it's not easy. What exactly, yeah. And yeah. You've made it yourself. Yeah, I mean, you win the lottery. That's great. But if yeah, you've but. if you've got that far because of your own labour, it's gonna be a lot more meaningful, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, what would you say your your personal goals and dreams would be? What are they? Be happy, simple. Yeah. I just want to. Life is short. My my brother died two years ago. My mother died just before Christmas, and that's opened my eyes up to life is short. We're here for a limited amount of time, mm. and if you think about it, from the time you're born until about the age of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, that's when you start to enjoy and understand what life is. Mm. So from fifteen, sixteen, seventeen until about maybe sixty-five something around that, that's when you start not being able to do things. Yeah. So you've got a really a short, window. short yeah. window. How much of that time do you spend asleep? How much, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So before you realise it, realistically, you've got about 10, 15 years of your life to properly enjoy yourself. Yeah. Make the most of it whilst you can. And enjoy it. Yeah. You know, don't, I, even though I do this, I don't let it stress me out too much. There's time I get stressed and yeah. think about this and that. But if you've got no control over it, don't let it stress you out. Just deal with it that's a great mindset to that's have a great yeah. outlook here yeah. yeah um so with the studio obviously you, you love being here is there any plans kind of to is it just going to be kind of maintain no, it and my business partner he's um larger than life uh dan mankelo he's larger than life he's he's the only person in a room that i've been around that makes me look quiet <laughs> and people have said it and he's like a, a much bigger guy than me so He's larger than life, but he's got the size to carry it off as well. Right. Whereas me, I just sound like little gay <laughs> small, small man syndrome, just shouting all the time. But yeah, but he's um, it, he's a very successful business person, and he's already talking about second studios That's and great. this sort of thing, and any opportunity we get to expand, and you know, he's all behind that. That's why I've gone in with him because mm. he's a perfect business partner. I'm very much hands-on, get the stuff done around yeah. here, but he will be the admin. There's stuff that I really don't like doing, I yeah. don't want to get involved with. He's the one that takes care of all of that sort well, of thing. It's good that you got that balance in with, yeah. with him. Yeah, and he's, he comes in as and when he wants. I'm under no illusions, he loves get to get tattoos, and part of the reason he's got involved <laughs> is, is so that he can get a tattoo yeah, whenever think, he wants one I, for free. Yeah, but I think that's, that's, if you're going to get into a business, it should be something that you actually enjoy. Yeah, he's right? my friend as well. Yeah, I yeah. care about him a lot. So, you know, they say you shouldn't do that. But it was like, he was a customer first, then a business partner. Now we've become proper friends, yeah. which has worked out well yeah. so far. Nice right, stuff. All right. Well, um, great to chat to you, Hayden. Yeah, yeah. No, you're think, Thanks for coming on. I've enjoyed it. It's um, been a pleasure to chat to you. And obviously, with your, it's a, we didn't know, well, I didn't know much before meeting you, but it's a great story and I'm happy that you're kind of in a place where you love what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, good luck with it all. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Guys, go and check out Hayden's Instagram page at Hayden underscore Hallwood underscore tattoos and his tattoo page at prophecytattoos.piercingstudio. 
you'll be able to follow Hayden's day-to-day antics, his travels with the UFC, as well as some of the incredible artwork and tattoos that they do in the studio. Also, his studio is based in Barkingside in Redbridge, Ilford. So go and check it out if you're looking for your next tattoo. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We want to bring you closer to more amazing people like Hayden. So help us spread the word by sharing with friends and following us on Instagram at The Curious Cousins. We'd also love for you guys to give us a rating and any feedback is appreciated. Thanks for the support. Thanks.